Uh, all right, brothers and sisters, we're going to go ahead and get started this morning. Uh, our lesson tonight, or lesson this evening, this morning, rather, excuse me if I can speak, is on chapter 11 uh, of, the, of our book. But before we do get going, I have a bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask several of you to be looking up different uh, scripture verses. So if I could uh, call on people who would be willing to read, I have several here I, I can ask you to go ahead and turn to uh, so that when we come to them in our lesson, you can just read them instead of just me reading. So if anybody would be willing to read, um, I need someone to read Romans 12, 1 through, one through 2. Uh, and then I have Philippians 4, 8. All right. Have First Corinthians ten one through six, brilliant. I have Psalm nineteen, not the whole psalm, but just uh, I'll I'll tell you the verses once we get there. Psalm one nineteen. Uh, I have John ten twenty seven. I have Matthew six, brilliant. Uh, it'll be verses twenty six and twenty eight. First, uh, second, second Corinthians four, second Corinthians four. Let's see, Mr. Joseph, would you be able to read that for us? Brilliant. That would be 7 through 11. I'll remind you when, once we get there. I have Psalm 32. Psalm 32. Brilliant. And then for, uh, Philippians 1. Perfect. And then we have Psalm 122. Let's see. Miss Savannah, do you think you could read us Psalm 122, verse 1? When we, when, when we come to it. When we come to it. You have time to flip to it. And then the last one. Let's see. The last one will be Romans 12, and I, I, I might turn to that myself. All right, so it was funny. I was listening back through the lessons, and uh, the second, second lesson, Jacob taught it, and it was another fellowship meal, and people were coming and going through the background, uh, and, and he said uh, this was the closest he would get to street preaching. Uh, but it's just, it's just good to be reminded of the events in the church, uh, to hear, hear the, the bustle and the hustle and bustle of uh, a lively church. But in preparing this lesson, I was uh, considering myself, you know, I'm, I, I'm one of the least qualified to teach a lesson on, on emotions, uh, but I was reminded of, a, of an analogy for evangelism. Evangelism is just a beggar telling another beggar where to find food. Uh, so that's what I'll, I'll just be doing this morning. Uh, our title is N On Nourishing Good Emotions, and so I'm, I was thinking about playing the Mission Impossible theme. Uh, right? How, how do you how do you nourish good emotions? Uh, this it seems like an impossible task, but the authors of our book begin with a with hopefully an encouragement. So, good emotions, nourishing God honoring emotions, it's not something that just happens. It's a work. It's a long process. It takes years to take every thought captive. It, it takes years of of walking with the Lord to to grow in maturity and spiritual and emotional maturity. And if you are over 30 here today, then and you don't feel like you've got your emotions in control, then then be encouraged. Like this is this is a, this is a work. This is a thing that takes process. Uh, process it takes a long time. But if you're under 30 here today, then maybe we should be challenged. We should be challenged in in the decisions we make. We should be trying to form godly habits, like getting up in the morning to read our Bible, ordering our day. Uh, some of us are going into college. Some of us are getting out of college. Ordering our day around nourishing God-honoring emotions. So this is a biblical work uh, that we, we have to work at. But it's most importantly, it's a work of grace. God-honoring emotions don't just happen. They're a gift. They're a gift of God, and they're a gift of grace. But 
if we are devoting ourselves to the means of grace, then we're growing just by the fact that we are in God's word. If we're praying, then we are growing in our biblical emotions. But there's, there's no secret, there's no secret uh, cheat code or shortcut to how we can, how we can get spiritual emotional maturity. Uh, you'll, you'll find manuals all throughout the world and, and, and exercises that they want you to do. And I'm thinking chiefly uh, among the circles of young men today, there's a, there's a growing trend of stoicism. Right? You, need to, you need to be stoic. You need to only be concerned about what you can control, and you shouldn't be affected by what happens outside your control. You shouldn't feel sad if someone dies because you couldn't control whether they lived or not. You shouldn't feel sad if uh, someone has wronged you. Right? You just shouldn't be, you should be uh, impassive. You shouldn't feel things. Uh, that, that's, that's a wrong, that's not a, not a biblical view. That's a wrong pattern to take. But that's, that seems to be a pattern of the world right now. Uh, Revelation 6, you, we see the saints uh, who, who have died. They're, they're at the altar of God. They're before the throne of God, and they're crying out, Lord, how long will you come and before you come and give us justice? Right? The saints don't control anything. They don't control God's timing. They can't twist his arm to make him do anything, but they're still, they still feel the weight uh, of the, the sin and wickedness that is tearing in this world. Right? They feel that on an emotional level. Uh, are, are there any other th- ways that uh, you see culture trying to tell us? Uh, and, and it's okay if you don't. Any, are there any patterns? Or s- yeah. yeah, the whole you do you. Absolutely. You know, I'll do him. Yeah, po- uh, postmodernism. You do Christ. Oh, yeah. So that doesn't fit in with you know, how we're aware of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the whole you do you thing. This was a 40. Um, yeah, so there, there are all kinds of ways, all kinds of biblical wisdom that we can attack this. But we're, uh, we're going to be attacking this from a biblical, biblical perspective. And the North Star, the North Star, the, the guiding principle that our book sets up for us is that we would dedicate ourselves to this one path, to this one pursuit, that we would dedicate ourselves more and more to trusting, to knowing, and to deepening our love for Christ. That's how, that's how we gain emotional maturity. And that's how we begin uh, this, this hard work of gaining uh, godly, biblical, God-honoring emotions. All right, so if you have your, uh, I don't know if, if all of you picked up your bulletin. If you have your bulletin, and you, you don't have to have it, but just what, we're going to walk real quickly through the bulletin and see what are the emotions that we are supposed to be nourishing, right? If we're going to be nourishing biblical emotions, nourishing the good emotions, we need to know what they are. So what, nourish, what emotions should we be trying to foster and grow and shine the light of God's word on and build up? What are those emotions? Well, let me just ask you, what, are, what is the first element of worship? What's the first element of worship? What do we do before worship? Pastor David will get up there. He'll say, yes. He'll say his, his announcements, and then we'll prepare our hearts for worship. What kind of emotions should we have when we're coming into worship? What, what, where should our hearts be? Humility, absolutely. What, why, why humility? Yes, absolutely. There should be an urgency to our preparations. Right? We need worship. We, our, our, our beings are only satisfied by being in the presence of God, hearing his word, singing his word, praying his, his scriptures. 
Uh, let me just read to you Psalm 100 and let that be rattling around in our brains as, we're, as we go through uh, the, the bulletin real quickly. Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. All right, what were, what, were, what were just real quickly, what were some emotions? Joy? Joy? Yep, great. It's also how you read it. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. So we have joy, we have gladness, we have shouts of praise. All these are, are come from the heart. They're, they're emotions. What about the call to worship? That's our, so we have a preparation for worship, the call to worship. What is the call to worship? So if you, you have that part in, in your bulletin where you're supposed to stand up, all right? We're shaking off all the, all the cobwebs. We stand up. It's time to worship God. And the first thing that we have in worship, it will be what? Uh, it will be scripture. It will be a, a scripture calling us into worship. Uh, a call to worship might be... Uh, I don't have it. Don't have one here. But our call to worship this morning is our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. All right, we were called into worship by God's word. the The preacher doesn't call us into worship. The session doesn't call us into worship. They they, they do call the time when we are gathered for worship. But God calls us into worship, and we have to obey. We have to obey on our heart level and come uh, with our emotions. All right. So we come into worship, we're called into worship with humility, with fear, with trembling, uh, maybe with a bit of joy and praise too, I hope. But the second, the second uh, or the third, the third rather, third rather element of worship is a hymn of praise. What, what would be an appropriate God-honoring emotion for a hymn of praise? Thanksgiving, yeah, absolutely. Why, why would we be thankful to God? Absolutely, yeah. We would be thankful that we are standing in his presence, justified, adopted. All the benefits that we have in Christ are things we can be thankful for. Absolutely. All right, next thing is reading of Scripture. The first thing, uh, first thing was preparation for worship, call to worship. We respond to God's call by actually praising him, and then we hear from God's word again. We hear his Scripture read. Uh, this is sometimes done stutteringly by an intern uh, and then commented upon. But what, what should be our heart? What, what sh where should our hearts be? while the scriptures are being read to us. What's an emotional activity we should be doing? Maybe focusing, paying attention. It, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but, uh, and we'll, maybe we'll talk more about this later, but focusing requires emotion, it's emotionally taxing. Right, think about how you have, some of you have had to study for a test. Or, or if you've had to, uh, if you've had a project coming up, that's that requires emotional labor. It requires that you work and invest yourself into it. Well, late, uh, worship is a work. We, we we endeavor to be with it. You're you're having to fight against all the distractions that want to come against you. You're having to fight against the the devil himself trying to tempt you away, and you're fighting against the weakness of the flesh. I know I know I am. I come out come in to, to worship and I'm sleepy and a little groggy. 
tired from the week. So you're, you're having to fight. You're having to work hard. So when God's word is being read, we're having to, to focus, to be respect, to respectful, to hear it with reverence. Next thing, we have a confession of sin. What should we, should, where should our hearts be as we're confessing sins to a holy God? Sorrowful, absolutely. Absolutely. There, there's a sense in which we should actually, there's, there's, we, are not, we are justified. We are not guilty before God for sins, but we should feel the weight of our sins. And there's a sense in which we do feel guilty. And that, that guilt is a, is a guilt because we've grieved our Heavenly Father, and we've grieved His Spirit, and we've not honored His Son. Yeah, that we, should, we should feel sorrowful, we should feel humble for our sins. Uh, but then, God doesn't leave us there. The next element of worship is the assurance of pardon. And the assurance of pardon is another verse, it's another piece of Scripture. It's God telling us that we're pardoned. And what... I mean, the, the clue's in the name. Where should our hearts be in the assurance of pardon? We should be assured. We should be built up. All, all of our doubts should be cast away because God speaks to us and he tells us, you are forgiven. Right? Uh, because we know from Scripture that whoever confesses his sins, God will be gracious to forgive his sins. First uh, John. All right. Confession of sin, assurance of pardon, and we respond with a hymn of confidence. Again, clues in the name. Where should our hearts be in the hymn of confidence? Confident, yes, we should be confident. We should sing this hymn uh, with glad hearts. And then after that, we have the pastoral prayer. Pastoral prayer. What, where should our hearts be? Where should our hearts be moving towards in a pastoral prayer? So in a pastoral prayer, we usually, uh, we usually are led by the, the pastor, the elder, to adore God for his attributes, how great he is. And then we'll pray perhaps for a missionary. We'll, we'll, a missionary will be lifted up to God, and we will ask that the Lord would bless his works, uh, his endeavors for the gospel. And then maybe we'll pray for some concerns and some cares in our church. Maybe someone's sick. Maybe someone's just lost someone. Uh, may, maybe someone has a, a big move or, or, or big life changes, pregnancies, like, like we've been praying for for a while. In the pastoral prayer, we should be cultivating care, care for the body, because we are praying all together as God's people. We should be stirring it up, up in our hearts, love for one another, because that's who we're lifting up to God in, in his presence. All right, hymn of confidence, pastoral prayer, tithes and offerings. Where, where should our hearts be in tithes and offerings? Maybe, maybe a spirit of generousness, maybe a spirit of gratefulness. Uh, we, we commend uh, our, our tithes and our offerings to the Lord in gratefulness for what he's given to us. And we pray that he would use them for, his, for, for the glory of his church, for the benefit of his people. All right, now for the, for the, big, the big element of, of worship, the preaching of God's word. Where should our hearts be in the preaching of God's word? Now, there, there are many, many different types of sermons. There are sermons that, that, that humble us, they they. They point out our sin. They peel off the layers, and uh, they make us feel our feel the weight of our sin. There are sermons that edify us and build us up. There are sermons that talk uh, talk to us about heaven, what it will be like, and they they encourage us. They make us excited. They're all they're all different kinds of emotions we can have during the sermon. But just a few, a few general emotions that we should always have coming into hearing God's word. 
preached to us. Well, we should always have a, a spirit of humility, a spirit of submission, because we are sitting under God's word. God's word is being preached to us. So we receive it. We're, we're, not, we're not sitting under a sermon analyzing, well, I don't think he said that quite right, and I, I don't think that's, that's quite right. We, we, do, we do check our, our Bibles, and we want to hear biblical preaching, biblical exegesis, but we sit under God's word. We hear what God's word has to say to us. We're not trying to find out everything wrong with the sermon. We're also focused, but we're also dependent. We depend upon God's word. God's word is our life. It's what we hear from our Father. We're, we try to be engaged. Again, this, this work of engagement, it's a work. I mean, we have to, we have to really struggle to, to be attentive, to pay attention for 30, 35 minutes, maybe even 40 minutes uh, for, for Bertie Kona, maybe a bit longer. But we have to pay attention for a long time. And we, we're, trying to, we're trying to be affected. We're trying to be changed by the word. How does this word affect me? What, what, what area of my life is this word speaking into? <clears throat> we're trying to be engaged. We're trying to be excited. This is, this is what God's people do. They, they sit under the, the preaching of God's word, and they are built up. All right, after the preaching of the word, we have a hymn of gratitude and praise. It's in the name. Gratitude and praise. Our hearts should be grateful. We've just heard God's word preached to us. We've just been spoken to by God, by the words of Christ. We should be grateful that he, that he would come and meet with us, to speak to us, and we should be praising him. And then we have a benediction. Now, this is a really bare-bones uh, elements of worship, a uh, skeletal version, because we'll have the Lord's Supper in there. We'll, we'll, we'll sometimes have a baptism, perhaps. But the, the benediction wraps it all up, ties it all up. The benediction is pronounced, and worship is over. But where, where should our hearts be? What should the last thing our hearts experience in worship? If God's last word to you is blessing, what should you feel? joy. You should feel blessed. Absolutely. Amen. You should be encouraged. God's last word to you is benediction, is building you up. Go forth in peace because the Son of God has died for you and your sins are covered. The benediction is a great thing. All right, so that's, that's where the direction of our chapter is going. We're trying to nourish these emotions. Now, we just went through a, a long, spent a long time going through and looking at the bulletin, but with our chapter today, we're going to try to nourish these emotions, joy, sorrow over sin, confidence that God has forgiven us, assurance, uh, being built up, being edified. That's where we're trying to go. Now, who had, uh, who had Romans 12, 1 through 2? Amen. So this is why we are trying to nourish good emotions. We're trying to nourish good emotions so that we can present ourselves before our Heavenly Father as living sacrifices. We're trying to be presentable to God through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right? So next week, we're going to learn how to starve the bad emotions. But this week, we're going to learn how we're going to get six suggestions, six, uh, six ways we can seek to nourish, to foster, to build up good emotions. And... 
how are we going to grow in grace? What are, what are the means of grace? First of all, how many, does anybody know how many are there? How many means of grace are there? There are three. The three means of grace. The word, prayer, and the sacraments. Yes, these are the means of grace. These are how we grow in grace. This is how God has promised to grow his church, through the preaching of the word, through prayer, and through the sacraments. Now, the first of them, most important, is the word. So they suggest the first one is to read your Bible. Now, I cannot talk and write at the same time. So sorry about that. But um, <laughs> we, we might be a little bit let down by this, this point. We might, might say, man, I knew that already. Or you might say, well, I really don't do that enough. But I hope, I hope you're really encouraged by just how simple this is. If we want to have right emotions, we just have to read God's word. And, and it's, it's not a some sort of magic pill that you just read God's words and suddenly you're better. It, but it's a, it's a long, it's a lifetime of reading God's word, of, of being in the word, of hiding it in our hearts. Uh, someone had Psalm 19. Who had Psalm 119? Yes. Can you read us verse 9, verse 11, and verse 16? Please. Yeah, amen. So we read God's word so that we might not sin against God. So we might please our Heavenly Father, not grieve the Holy Spirit. We read our Bibles. And they mention, the, the book mentions that when we read our Bibles, our eyes are taken off our present trouble and they are elevated to God. We, we are considering the things of God. We're considering his divinity, how, how high above the heavens uh, he is above us. A seminary professor once told me and, and the whole class that, that not all scripture is about us. Some scriptures are about God, but all scriptures are for us. When God tells us something about himself, he's revealing his heart to us. He's revealing that he's a slow, uh, a God who's slow to anger and compassionate, abounding in steadfast mercy. The history of Israel was written down for our benefit. Someone had uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 6. 1 Corinthians. One, one through six, First Corinthians ten. Moreover, brethren, <clears throat> I do not want you to be unaware that our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them God was not well pleased, for their bodies were all these things became an example to the intent that we should not walk as the angels walked in the day of Sarah. Amen. Yeah, so all of, all of the, the history of Israel, may, may we find it a little bit tediousome because Israel just keeps falling back and back into sin again and again. And we see that all of that's written down for our example. All of this written down so we might learn of God's character from, from history and from the history of Israel specifically. God's word, we believe, is living and active. And so when we come to, to read our Bibles in the morning, when we, when we hear it read in public worship, we hear God speaking to us. We hear, it, we hear his words. 
let me just uh, say one quick an anecdote on, on this. Perhaps you all have heard of, of the reformer Martin Luther, and perhaps you, you've heard that he, when he would have a long day in, ahead of him, he would get up really, really early in the morning to read his word and prepare even more. And, and rather than sleep in and say, I need my rest, he, he uh, rightly assessed the situation and said, what I need more than sleep is I need to be fortified, built up, strengthened, and nourished in God's word so that I might face what's in front of me. That, that was just a guy who had to get up when he didn't have an alarm, and he just had a, to light his candle to read his, his Bible by. That, that's, that's how much we should be wanting to read God's word. Uh, did I say John 10, 27? Did I ask someone to read? Yes, sir. Can you read that? Yeah, yeah, amen. So if we are God's sheep, if we are God's people, then we hear his voice. We hear his voice speaking to us in the scriptures. All right, that's the first thing. First thing is read your Bible. The second thing is go outside. Now, this is, yeah, cannot speak and write at the same time. You never know what kind of, what did you get up there, Aramaic or something or what? But um, so. The, this this is a this is a little simplistic way to put it, but it is enjoy general revelation. Be lifted up to consider God through general revelation. Someone had Matthew six. Someone had Matthew six twenty six and twenty eight. You did, yes, sir. Can you read that for us? Twenty six and twenty eight. Matthew six. Yeah, as he's turning there, we can we can be benefited by feeling our smallness in creation by but we can be benefited by feeling how so, how we are so dependent upon God's mercy uh, in the face of, a, of a, the storms and the tornadoes and all the rain and all the flooding that's been happening and this just this spring we can be benefited by feeling our smallness Matthew 6 verse 26 please Yeah, amen. So Matthew, uh, excuse me, uh, Jesus is, is preaching to the people. He's saying, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air and consider, right, be, be drawn to consider how God cares for them, his creation. A little bit later, he'll say, consider the lilies of the valley, how God clothes them with, with beauty, right? God cares for his creation. And from creation, we can say that God's divinity, his divine attributes are clearly seen, right? We cannot deny uh, God's work of creation. Works of creation are not just there so that the wicked would be condemned. They're also there that we would be built up. We would be encouraged. We would see God's work. So maybe we should take a break from the social media, from the news, from the, the pressing things that just seem to flood our brains and, and occupy all of our thoughts. And just go outside. And feel the breeze on our, breeze on our face. Right? Enjoy general revelation. That was a bit shorter one, but the, set, the third thing we'll, we'll, we'll take a bit more time on. The third thing is cultivate. I'm not going to spell this right. <laughs> uh, cultivate good negative emotions. 
Now we've we've touched on this uh, a couple of times throughout throughout this series, this lesson series. But let me just remind you that there is a whole book of the Bible on lamentation. There's an entire book just devoted to lamenting over the horrible, wicked things that are happening to Israel by God's hand, in God's providence. Jeremiah is lamenting over the particular evils that he sees right before his eyes continually, day and night. And Christians, we're, we're suffering people. We're people who follow our Savior and in, in, in the footsteps of our Savior, and that's, that's a life of suffering. The world, world hates us. Uh, someone has 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. Yeah, amen. So this list is an encouraging list because it goes through we are afflicted, we are cast down, we are, we are, um, we are destroyed. Oh, it, it has all these different lists, but then we, we are not forsaken. We, we, are, we are not totally lost. We are not driven away from God's presence. But sometimes we can just focus on the encouragement side of this list and not recognize that we are being given over to death for the Lord by, by this world and by uh, our own flesh and by the devil. This is, it's, it's right for a Christian to, to feel sorrow, to lament over, over wickedness. But it's also right for us to, to grieve over sin, to, to grieve and lament over our own sin. And we can say with Psalm 13, how long, how long will we continue to sin against the Lord? How long will, will there be indwelling sin in me? This is, this is a good emotion, and it's a good, good for us to, to nourish this negative emotion even. Uh, it's a way to Im- improve our baptism. It's a way to be improving on our baptism by uh, Owen, John Owen talks about loading our consciences with the pain, the guilt of sin, so that when, when, it come, when the temptation comes and you say the temptation is shiny and bright over here, well, the pain, the grief of sinning against God far outweighs it, and we're just never going to go for that temptation because our consciences Know the guilt, know the grief that we cause our Father by sinning, sinning against Him. But let me also uh, briefly mention, it's, it's right, uh, y'all, y'all have talked about this before, but it's right to feel loss, to feel grief when a loved one dies. That's a good thing. Death is not natural. Death is, this is an, an enemy. And when someone dies that we've loved, we don't love them any less. We, do, we don't love them any less than, than when they were here. And God just gives us more strength to be able to, to bear that grief. Our grief doesn't go away. We just become more able to, to handle it. A good example of this in our church is, is Miss Nancy uh, Thornton. Uh, her husband died many years ago, but she doesn't miss him any, any less. She, she, st- she still grieves over his death, but she's able to bear that because her her heavenly Father walks with her through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, another another uh, emotion that can be good for us to foster, another good negative emotion, is deep confusion over God's providence. Pastor David brought up Psalm 
73 a little while ago that the psalmist is, is perplexed that the wicked would seem to prosper, that in God's providence, the wicked would just go on sinning and then the wicked are punished. The wicked are suffering. I mean, excuse me, the righteous, the righteous are suffering. And this doesn't seem like justice. And we should bring our, our confusion before the Lord in trust. But we, we can still be confused because the, the psalmist is confused. Other good, uh, good negative emotions to, to foster are hatred of false teaching. Hatred of teaching that, that belittles Christ or, or makes Christ small. We can hate that teaching. And we can hate uh, evil practices. Like we can, we can hate the practice of abortion or the practice of, of uh, homosexuality. This, this manipulating of God's uh, image. We can hate these things. These are good things. But the thing I want to leave us, and I know this has been a bit longer of a point, the thing I want to leave us with good negative emotions is confessing our sins. So our confession would tell us to confess our sins generally as, as a people, confess our sins generally, but also particularly. We should confess our sins as we, as we are uh, aware that we have committed them against God. So, Lord, I, I used your attribute. I used holy in a blasphemous way. I said this cow was holy. That's a sin. Because we're taking God's attributes and we're using them about to talk about other things when only God is holy. God alone is holy. Confession over sin is a good thing. Uh, Thomas talked to us about prayer, but let's be laboring to, to cultivate good emotions through confessing our sin. Uh, the fourth thing, the fourth thing is build reminders. I can't even read that. All right, build build reminders. We're trying to we're trying to live our lives in a way that is pleasing to God. And let me re- read before you First uh, Timothy chapter four one through five. Now the Spirit expressly says in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from food foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe in no truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the work, word of God and prayer. All right, so what we're, what we're trying to, to consider here is that God has made all things good for us, and when we, when we see God's goodness, when we see his providence in our life, then we should try to be thankful and grateful to God for that thing. Let me try to give you an example here. Uh, my wedding ring is something that I wear all the time, and it's something that is a reminder to me of God's providence to give me a spouse. Right? It's, a, it's an Ebenezer. It's a, something set up for me to remember God's providences. And so I, I build that, I, I keep that reminder with me. When students graduate here, when students graduate from high school or college or, or maybe seminary, I don't know, but when they graduate, the church gives them either uh, an ESV study Bible or a copy of the Valley of Vision, and it's a reminder to, to them. God has been faithful to you to get you through this season of life, and you, you've now graduated. Now, be devoted to God. Thank Him for His faithfulness. Right, this this Bible, this ESV study Bible, or this copy of the Valley of Vision, which is a very nice copy. When when you look at it, when you read it, when you use it, you remember God's faithfulness. Just like 
in Genesis 28, after Jacob had seen the angels of God ascending and descending uh, on the stairs, he sets up an Ebenezer. So whenever I see the stone, I will be reminded of God's faithfulness to me. Uh, does someone have uh, Philippians uh, 1, 3 through 5? Amen. So our, our chief Ebenezer, our chief rem reminder is prayer, that, that we would be remembering God's people through prayer and his faithfulness through prayer. All right, I kind of blew through that one, and we're running out of time, so sorry about that. And I'm not going to write anymore because I can't even read that. But our fifth thing is to cling to public worship, cling to public worship. Miss Savannah, did you have uh, Psalm 122, verse 1? Okay, brilliant. Yes, please. Yeah, amen. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because that's, that's where we get to be with the visible people of God. All, all, of the, all of the people that you see around you, they are the visible church. All the people who have confessed Christ, that, that Christ is their only hope uh, of salvation. These are all the, the people, these are all the saints, and you, you delight to be with them. First uh, uh, Thessalonians four eighteen is it says that we we encourage one another with the words of Scripture, we we delight to gather together because we get to be encouraged, and we we've, we we kind of went through the elements of worship, so I'll leave that aside. But let me just bring to your mind one thing: music. When you sing, your whole being can be involved. It's not always perfectly involved, but your your mind is reading the words on the page, and your mind is involved. Uh, your soul and your spirit are involved by magnifying the Lord. And, and all of your strength can be involved in singing to the, with all of your vigor to the Lord. And music is a great element of worship that you can praise the Lord with all of your muchness. Right? So let me, let me commend that to you. And the last thing, and I, I know we're kind of moving real quickly through this, uh, but I did not manage my time well. Uh, the last thing is be watching for God on the move. Be watching for God's providence in the lives of other people. And what, it, what, they, what the authors mean by this is be listening. Keep your ears to the ground for how God is working in someone else's life. Be looking for how a young man is handling his relationship with his parents more respectfully. Be listening for how maybe someone is resisting temptation uh, more effectively. Be listening for how a, a, a student is handling uh, their, their unbelieving class classmates in a more gracious way and maybe even ask what is the Lord doing in your life be, be looking for ways that God is is working through providence and then praise him for it all right so we've we've had our our six six things of how we can be nourishing good emotions we were told to read our Bible to be stimulated by general revelation we've, we've been told to uh, to be nourishing good negative emotions we don't talk about a lot as, uh, as happy, clappy people in the West. But we can be nourishing good negative emotions. We talked about be building reminders. We talked about uh, clinging to worship. We talked about uh, watching for God on the move, albeit in a very brief manner. But are there any things y'all would add to this? Are there any other practices that we can be 
we can be engaged in that would nourish good God-honoring emotions? Anything you would add to this list? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one um one maybe thing I would add to this is be heavenly minded. Be thinking about uh be thinking about heaven. Uh a place you can go to do this in scripture is the first two the uh, chapters 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. Be thinking about what Christ has to say to his churches. Be thinking about your benefits in Christ. Our, our, I, have to, I have to close with this. Our shorter catechism, question 36, says, asks, what are the benefits which in this life accompany and flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? What benefits does a Christian get from being in Christ? Well, the answer. The benefits which come from justification, adoption, and sanctification are assurance of God's love, peace of conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, increase of grace, and perseverance unto the end. Right? If you want to be emotionally mature and built up in your emotions, if you want to have assurance of God's love, if you want to have peace in your conscience, if you want to have joy in the Holy Spirit, then be thinking about your sonship, your daughtership in Christ. Be thinking about the fact that you are justified, declared righteous in Christ. Be thinking about how you are being worked on right now by the Holy Spirit. You are being transformed from one degree of glory to, an, to the another. That you would be presented as holy and blameless before the Lord on the last day of judgment. All right, any final thoughts or questions? All right, let me, let me pray, and I, I apologize for not opening with prayer. Our Father in heaven, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you that it is our life that we pant for it as the deer pants for water. We thank you that we can always come from, come to your word and never exhaust it, but we will always be nourished, built up by the, by the holy scriptures and what you would say to your people in, in them. Father, we pray that as we come now into worship, as you would meet with us, we pray that we would come with right emotions, that our hearts would be uh, trembling, they would be fearful, but they would also be joyful and glad, for they are saying, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so we pray that as we go, as we go upstairs and we hear your word preached to us, as we sing it, as we pray it, we pray that you would receive all the glory. We pray that Christ's name would be magnified, and we do pray that all these things in Christ's name. Amen.